Good evening, everybody. It's Monday, June 24th, and it's time for another 10 dozen minutes of Jick and Mr. Skullhead with Jick and Mr. Skullhead. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and Jick is with me in spirit. I am. I don't know if spirit is the right word. Every week I'm looking for a better word for that, but uh, I don't have it. I'm not in. Uh, I'm not in spirits the way that I normally am because we're recording early because uh, I got stuff to do this evening and uh, I am frighteningly sober. Yeah, what are you going to do this evening? Uh, uh, hot stuff, and then we're getting into town, and so we're dealing with dealing with moving logistics and also just going to dinner before it's super late. Uh, I see. You're still in. Uh you're not uh, in California yet, though. Right? Not yet. No, not until no, the next time. The next time we speak, I probably will be. Um, I don't actually know when we're go- like everything is. Everything is crazy up in the air. Just everything. Like, I I went to I went to uh, to to drink some coffee out of my cup of coffee, and it was just floating in midair. Are you sure that you're not aboard the International Space Station? I'm beginning to think that I might be. Hmm. Um, I, I have noticed that. Uh, all I can think of is Chris Hemsworth, who is not that astronaut. Uh, Commander Chris Hadfield, or whatever. yes, Chris Hadfield. Yeah, that, that's a. I, I keep noticing that Chris Hadfield isn't here anymore, and so maybe I am aboard the ISS. And if he had a brother named Liam Hadfield, that would just be really confusing. Mm-hmm. Is there? Does Chris Hemsworth have a brother named Liam Hemsworth? Yeah, he does. Okay. He was the uh, the other guy in the Expendables. When they were like, we got to cast a dreamy young stud to make anybody want to go see this movie. Who is Liam Hemsworth? Is he Thor? Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Okay, sorry. Liam Hemsworth was the... He was Gale in the Hunger Games. Oh, okay. Uh, Who is uh, then Noel Hemsworth? I don't think there is one of those. Ah, damn it. He's the uh, Australian member of Oasis. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Apparently dudes in Australia named their kids Liam. Hmm. That's not just a UK thing. Because the Hemsworths, they're from Australia. None of our American actors are apparently manly enough to handle being the lead in a superhero movie. I mean, you know, it's like you and I keep lamenting. Our our politically correct culture has turned everybody into a pussy. Yep, they had to go. Now, if you were to have told me years ago that the next Superman movie would star a Superman who was British, I would have told you to go pound sand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here we are. But now you get yelled at for telling people to go pound sand. Because yeah, you're not sensitive to the needs of the sand. Well, they're like, who even says that anymore? That's like saying you don't cotton to something. And I say, that's another thing. I don't cotton to people not using the phrase don't cotton to. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how we're supposed to be the cat's pajamas if we don't use these phrases. Yeah, now these kids these days don't even have, like, 21 skidoo. Uh, I'm, I'm out. I can't think of any more. I mean, with inflation, I guess 23 skidoo should be, like, what, 45 skidoo, maybe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it depends on what that meant to begin with, and nobody on the internet can tell me. Yeah. They're like, this is a phrase that a bunch of people said in the 20s for no fucking reason. It seemed like there was a lot of that going on in the 20s. I, like, I, I I, feel like I have seen in all of the dictionaries of, like, flapper slang, there are often contradictory things. I think the problem with a subculture that only lasts a very short amount of time is that it doesn't really get a chance to normalize. And so 
different offshoots of it. Like somebody will somebody will be hanging out with their flapper friends in, say, I don't know, New York. And then they will learn a word, but they will learn it incorrectly. And then they will go back to, say, uh, Rolla, Missouri and hang out with their flapper friends there and then just introduce a, a sort of a malapropism of slang there. And so then because that counterculture just vanishes three months later, you don't you know, there's no uh, there's no codification. And so, were people not flapping for as long as I think they were? I don't know. I'm pretending that they weren't for the purposes of this analysis. That makes sense. I mean, if we assume that the flapper subculture only lasted three months, which we must. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so what you what what have you been up to? I don't think that I've been up to anything. I, I I feel as though at some point in the last week I thought of two things. I thought of something that I did that I wanted to talk to you about on the radio, and then I thought of some controversial thing, but not too controversial, that I thought would make for an interesting discussion between us. And I can't remember what either of those things are. Maybe what we should be discussing is whether it's better to have a notepad or a like a digital notepad, perhaps? Not sure. A notepad or a digital notepad? Well, like a notepad program, maybe. Okay. Oh, I see. You're saying that if I did that, I would remember. Yes. Okay. And the controversy was whether it's okay to... Uh, to have a digital one, or if you need like a moleskine, mm-hmm. moleskine, mole, moleskine. Yes, is it? See, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that were pronounced moleskine. Yeah. Um, I I do uh, I do own a moleskine notebook, but it was a gift, and I don't know that I've ever actually written anything in it or carried it. I do carry a notebook when I'm wearing a jacket, but it's a notebook that I bought for like four dollars at the gift shop at the Met. Huh. It's very garishly colored. It is not elegant at all. Um, and I bought it. So I bought it because I saw some things that I wanted to draw pictures of at the museum, because it was in the days before I carried a phone that was also a camera. Hmm. So you were at the Met that long? Oh yeah, you used to do the little uh, summer New York trips. I did yeah? one. Uh, now, really, I've only been I've only been to New York three times, and two of them were once was like basically ten years ago. Um, it mm-hmm. was it was right after I moved in with the flight attendant gal, and she was all mad because for Christmas she had gotten me a trip to New York that I didn't know about, and then I planned a trip to New York in the beginning of December, and she was very upset and didn't want me to go, and I was just like, nope. Did you not cut her in on the trip planning in the early stages? When the trip was be- like, no, because the, early, the the trip planning consisted of me talking on the phone with a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a long time, us saying, hey, let's go to New York in three weeks and mm-hmm. me buying a plane ticket. And so it was, I mean, it, because it was after I had quit my job, right? So I was like, you know what? Yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm going to go to New York for a week because I can. Uh, and then I told her about it and she was like, oh, I'm sad. And then I look back on that and I think, you know. I bet if I talked to Mr. Skullhead about this, he would say, oh, that's a tough situation. And to me, that's not a tough situation. That's a situation where you just fucking go to New York, and then later you go to New York again. Yeah. Um, but that's because I'm kind of an asshole. Apparently. No, I'd, in that case, I would think that... You're, I, don't, I think it would be unreasonable to put you under the onus of not having like not ever planning a trip without consulting her first mm-hmm. at that stage in your relationship yeah but that's not really what that's not what's on the table right 
it's because that's never what's on the table. Like you, so maybe this is super sexist, but generally when I have gotten into arguments about stuff like that, where a girl thinks that I've done something wrong and I don't think that I've done anything wrong, I tend to argue from the standpoint of like, well, look, if this was wrong, then so were these 500 other things that I've done punishment free for our entire relationship up to this point. And also here are all these things in the future that if this is the rule for which things are wrong, I wouldn't be able to do and that they're totally reasonable. But I don't feel like the argument is ever actually about that. Right. So you can't. I mean, you're right that it wouldn't be fair for me to have to run every. I mean, I guess a lot of people would say that it is fair. You do have to run every trip by your girlfriend. It depends on how serious of a girlfriend we're talking about, but, like, with her, like, she traveled a lot. It was never on the table that you were going to take her with you. Yeah. So. Yep. I I mean, she was upset because she wanted the first time that I ever went to New York to be with her, but she didn't, like, really know anything about New York. You know, it's not, there there wasn't anything that was going to be different about the experience of going there for the first time with her versus going with this friend who'd spent a lot of time in New York, you know, and, and as I like, I don't know. <laughs> so the, the only reason was that she just wanted to be the person. Yeah. I guess like if this is going to be your first experience with it, I want it to be together because I love you and mm-hmm. we should experience things together. Kind of. I mean, I get how in like, like if there's a typical relationship where it's like, you know, both people have similar jobs and there is a joint bank account that, yeah, like the typical husband doesn't get to just say, all right, well, I planned a trip and I'm leaving in two weeks. See you later. You know, without without running it by somebody. But I mean, that wasn't that wasn't how things worked. We had everything totally separate. I don't know. I know a lot of married couples, it turns out, that have separate finances from one another. And, you know, maybe it's just me that I think that's kind of weird to do. Like, like we have some friends who the husband is always buying, like, a new TV or new cameras for his movie work and stuff. And she, while she is kind of struggling to pay her half of the bills and has to work kind of a shit show job all the time so that she can have money to like buy clothes and stuff and to me it's just like how I don't think that I could keep buying like extravagant things when my wife was wanting for something it's I don't know I I think of if you're married it's a team thing and Mm -hmm. You pool your finances and you make decisions on big purchases together. I guess that story makes me that story gives me a bunch of different feelings. One is that like cameras that you use for your job are categorically different than clothes. So but I recognize that most people do not treat clothes as an absurd waste of money that is to be acquired as infrequently as possible. You know, well, I guess she's somebody who who works a job where she needs to be properly dressed, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that was she, probably a, that was kind of a lousy. Sir, I suppose I can I can imagine that. I mean, 
I, I so there is a part of me that thinks so there is a part of me that makes an assumption based on what you said that assumption being that he makes more money than her right sort of because if he he's spending all this money when she's having trouble making her bill payments is the way that you care I mean yeah well I, think about like maybe not to hear somebody say like my husband Bob has plenty of money but I'm broke and I was so broke this month that my husband had to help me make my half of the mortgage payment. To me, both of those statements are really weird. Because, like, either you as a unit are broke or you as a unit are doing okay. And, like, you're not fucking roommates anymore. You're married, so you should both be, you know, you should pool all the money and pay all your expenses because you're a team. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, you and I, you and I very much differ in, in that particular aspect of our approach to relationships. Yeah. And when I was, you know, when I was married, there was no fucking way I was going to pool finances. Like, I would just never have had any money. So, I mean, there was a joint account that I would put money into for her to use. Right. You know, and her ever earning a cent was always right around the corner. Uh but never materialized. So I mean, but if you've got a like, if you've got a wife who has a full time job and she's pulling in an income, I think it's reasonable to. I don't know. I think it would be weird for me to like say, "Oh, dude, I have a couple hundred extra bucks this week. I'm gonna go buy this thing." When it's, uh, it's team finance, you know, like it, yeah. if both people are contributing. I wouldn't want my wife to feel like she was broke and like, no, you can't go out with the girls because you're out of money, but I'm going to buy this $4,000 TV. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think, I think that the splitting them up and they both work and they both have separate finances is a very progressive way of doing it. Right. Because it's not, you know, it, it isn't either this sort of like weird edge case where there's a kept man and it isn't the like, you know the patriarchal subjugation where he gets to make all the decisions because he's providing all the money i mean my wife and i pool money and i'm the one who pays attention to it so i'm the one who she like she still asks me if she like if we can afford to do x or y but it's not so much asking permission as asking if the money's there because she doesn't really yeah, keep track. At this point, she's making almost as much as I do. That's good. So that's totally tight for us. I to- think it would be especially hard for me because my my sort of maintaining my finances methodology is to have a just sort of a vague idea of how much money I can spend without it being more than is coming in. Uh-huh. And so then, I, because and because I'm pretty good at that, I never have to pay attention to it. You know, I just have to, like, you know, like, not let that rate get out of control in the in the one direction that's going to be harmful, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, so, like, when I, if I go to buy something expensive, like, if I were to need a new car, for instance, I would, like, obviously have to kind of change things up and look around. But if somebody else was, if somebody else was making, was creating fluctuations in that balance that I wasn't subconsciously aware of, then I think it would just fuck me up. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, the way it works, like Emily's expenses are really low. She does not work very much, but she works enough to like you know pay 
her bills and then I provide all the housing and all the food and all of the booze. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's fine. I mean, it does, it does suck. Like there are times when if she wants to go out without me, she will decide not to because she either, you know, she doesn't have the disposable income that's like in her own name. You know, she could ask me for some extra money, but she doesn't like to do that. Which is one of her more attractive qualities yeah I feel. yeah sure as sure, a third sure. party to your relationship i think it's really yeah. cool that she wants to be on her own it's more like if so with this particular couple both of them work and she works pretty hard but for like for her to be paying half of the mortgage if his salary is four or like three times hers is weird to me because it's not a, a roommate arrangement it's like a it's a husband and wife thing yeah i mean i guess it just depends on how different you consider those two things right i mean it like it's not a like i just yeah. can't see like making my wife pay half of the mortgage if she was making a quarter of my income it would seem weird to me and i wouldn't want to do that to her like i'm married to you and i want to live in this house with you so you know, if I have more money right now than you do, then I'm the guy who's going to make that payment. And that's fine. Sure. Because we're basically the same person. I mean, I guess I feel if I was if I was doing that, I would feel like I had whatever multiplier as much weight in making decisions about what stuff is going on. I mean, and that's that's, I think, an unpopular yeah, because like ideally, there's not a huge divide between what the two of you want to do. Yeah, if the you know like if I want to buy a new TV, hopefully she's on board with buying a new TV. But if I want to buy a new TV and she wants to buy twenty pairs of shoes, then uh, both of us aren't going to get what we want. Mm-hmm. But I think you know like we managed to not spend a whole bunch of money on anything, but going out pretty much yeah because there's very little as far as stuff that we want so yeah like having experiences together is what most of our budget goes to of discretionary income so that's not just like hey baby it's too bad you're broke but i'm gonna go hang out with our friends right it's a different thing like the the younger couples that i know are still doing that and i wonder if early in our relationship we were doing that too but now it's just kind of like, if we're broke, we're broke together. If we're flush, we're flush together. You know, we... When you poop, you flush together. We are one. We are many. We are You guys bored. do. You guys do uh, conserve water by synchronizing your bowel movements, right? Yeah, yeah. You got, you got on the same schedule, so you can both go and then flush. And then, yeah. Sucks for her when she's at work all day, because she's not allowed to poop without me, so... Mm-hmm. The tricky thing was figuring out how to do it with her sitting on my lap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not really that hard. <laughs> it's hard to not make a mess. You gotta put the... You just gotta make sure that the person with the shallowest pelvis is on the bottom. <laughs> um, As with so many things in life. Yeah. Or, uh, or, or get one of those, uh, you know, like the extra long toilets like they have in some public restrooms. Yeah, we we have a trough. Hmm, Okay. I don't think those are are for pooping, though. Yeah, we have one of those. It's called a bathtub. Mm, Right. 
one of those extra wide toilets. God damn, Reddit for for making me aware of a term called waffle stomping. Huh? What's that? Uh, theoretically, which I would imagine nobody has ever done, and if they have, they didn't call it this. But when you poop in the shower and then stomp the poop through the drain, hmm. that is a that is a waffle stomp. Like I. I don't understand, <laughs> like, thinking of that. So this is, a th- like, this is a specific thing that every once in a while comes up because of a story that Adam Carolla told about doing it. So just on podcasts, mm-hmm. like, you know, Dr. Drew will occasionally bring it up as a thing that he did because he was in a place that had a shower but no toilet. Mm-hmm. You know, or like, the toilet didn't work, and so they were they were, you know, crapping in a coffee can or something. And at one point he was in the shower and he was like, ah, fuck it. But I, like, yeah. I don't know that I would... I No matter how broke I was, I don't think that I would ever shit in the shower. Yeah. Like, that just is such a level of then having to deal with poop in uh, an intense fashion that I'm not willing to do. I, I do think that <laughs> like maybe if I, maybe if I had a Screaming Eagle situation that I would go into the shower to deal with that rather than try and deal with a, like, toilet and trash can thing. I think I would stick with the toilet and trash can, and then... Because you can always dump the trash can into the toilet. Yeah. But all of my trash cans are made out of paper. Oh, that's a problem. Well, they're, you know, they're, they gotta be biodegradable. They, like... Yeah, if it was, like, either poop in the shower or poop outside i would probably go for outside yeah yeah because you could just drop the deuce you can you know wipe it up and then you can leave it alone mm-hmm. instead of like now i have created for myself a bigger problem yeah yeah that's gross that's gross and i'm sad that I there's a recommend word for it. it yeah ha, see now you know how i feel about shart mm-hmm. i mean that comes up all the time though <laughs> it's not like it's not like a blumpkin you know i would say it like comes down all the time mm-hmm well, it depends. If you're in the moon boots. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. So, I am in this weird, like, it's it sucks. I'm in this, like, dead zone because I know I'm leaving town, but I don't know exactly when. And so, everything everything just has this sort of, like, timber of of, like, all right, should I completely clean the kitchen so that it is spotless when I come back, right? Like, what could I do to get ready for this trip? Oh, I could take all the trash out so that I'm certain that there is no rotting trash when I get back from this trip. Mm-hmm. But it's too soon to do that, right? Because there's going to be more stuff to throw away. There's going to be more stuff to cook. Like, I can't really pack. I couldn't I couldn't put... I kept thinking, like, well, what can I? what can I get together? Like... I can't really get my work travel stuff together because that interferes with my ability to work for the remaining few days that I'm here. I was thinking, well, okay, my laptop I don't need, but then I was like, oh, fuck, I do need my laptop to record this podcast. So Uh. it isn't until this show is over that I can pack up my backpack, which is going to have, you know, laptop and books and whatever in it. And it's, I don't know, like, I... I'm, like, having an extended version of the thing that I always hate about the very last day of a trip 
where huh. and nobody else is like this but the thing the thing that I want to do on the last day of a trip is wake up as early as possible and hit the fucking road before you know what's happening hmm. like I want my flight out to be at five in the morning I want to you know especially driving I want to just wake up I want to pack the night before wake up get in the car and hit the road because yeah, I, I agree with that because everything that happens on the day when what what you're doing that day is going somewhere everything that happens prior to you being going there is just like this dead time and it's i like i think it's just it's, it's something about it just drives me nuts and it's 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 like i've had a month of that here i get that for driving for flying i don't know for flying to like a vacation or something i would rather leave early in the morning but, like, our flights back from Con this year are at 6 o'clock in the evening. And I'm kind of digging that, because then you can... We can get moved out of the house and, you know, have like, be out by noon. We can go have lunch. We can kick around town for a little bit and then just kind of yeah. make our way to the airport and not miss the flight like my dumbass did last year. I guess if it was possible for me to relax on a day when I know I have to get onto an airplane, then... I would feel less like that, but right. yeah, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I don't even know when we're leaving. It's like we got some stuff to take care of here and some podcasts to record, at which point I can finally pack up the studio stuff to take. You know, it's like there's just all like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know why it is that these like very simple logistical things where it's like knowing that I have to do something, but I can't do it until three days from now just drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, it's kind of like, like this past weekend, like, man, we need to go to the store, but yeah, we're leaving next Saturday, so, I mean, do we really need to go to the grocery store? Like, well, yeah, we need a week's worth of groceries. It's like, we, we kind of need to do laundry, but I don't want to do laundry now, because then I'll have to do it again before we go. Yeah. And I don't want to, I could clean the house, but then it's just going to get messy again before we go, and like, we should just have... We should just go now. That would be better. Yep. Yep. Ah, yeah. So, you know, I'm getting I'm getting work done, and it's uh, you know, it's not it's not there's nothing there's nothing really objectively bad about this time. It's just like I'm like rudderless, like having having definite plans for some fixed point in the future is like worse than just not knowing anything. <laughs> For and this reason. is a major switch for you, right? Because you're going to be over there for an indeterminate period of time. Well, no, I mean it's it's basically determined, but it's like four months out of the next five, so mm -hmm. it's you know, and it's like I'm not at all stressed about like getting there and having to like get some furniture and stuff, right? Because yeah. that is like, yeah, I can do that. Like I'm taking the truck, so that is that is just a thing where I look around a room, figure out what I want to have in it, and then I drive somewhere and find it, or I like. For something that's non-essential, I just like kind of look on Craigslist or whatever. I am not at all nervous about that. I'm not. I'm not apprehensive or stressed out about the tremendous amount of work that is going to have to be done, just so that there is something to sit on right. when I'm in the place. It is. It is getting ready here that is driving me crazy. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like I. I, I like. I like a I like a fresh start. I like a fun adventure. And even though this yeah. isn't this isn't a fresh start, there's an aspect of it that makes it feel like one, you know. Yes, yes. There will just be there will be a new and never before experienced kind of 
texture to what I what I live over the next five or six months, and I'm curious to see what that texture is like. Um, I'm excited for you. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I do too. Um, I know for damn sure what I'm going to do is get up in the morning and walk somewhere and get a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. That's a thing I like. Uh, but yeah, so I haven't really done much of anything. I, I, I feel like this has just been like a gray time where I'm, mm. I'm sort of like, plus I've been working from home because the internet at the office pissed me off one day. So I took my scanner home and then I like, I keep thinking, well, should I go to the office? No, I might need to use the scanner. I don't want to carry it back. Cause then I'll just have to bring it back here to take with me to San Francisco. Yeah. So I just, and so working from home is weird. Cause I just, I, I feel like I spend one and a half times as much time doing three quarters as much work, hmm. which kind of sucks. But I find these days I'm being more productive upstairs on the laptop than downstairs at the rig. Yeah. Which is really strange, and I'm not sure what that is. Hopefully that'll switch back around. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Unless you, unless you just feel like, ah, oh, it's a waste of space having the office at all. Yeah, it is. Like, I have this office, and I have this computer with a couple of screens down here. I really should get, should really be working on that. There's some stuff that just has to be done with multiple screens. Yeah. But for... But for... The problem is when I'm not sure whether the multiple screens are going to help or not, and then the laptop is actually a liability. Yeah. It's like I'm sitting here thinking that I'm working, and I'm just kind of not. I have kind of found that once once you have a widescreen monitor... I mean, I spent all this. I spent all this time and way more money than I thought it was going to cost because of all of the steps I didn't know about that were involved in the process. But I got back to three monitors at work, and I use them all the time. You know, I use them for stuff, but I tend to use them as six monitors because uh-huh. learning how to, in Windows Seven, like snap a window to half of the screen, and a widescreen monitor, like as long as in with most of our tools half of that screen is fine for using it. So every monitor is sort of divisible into two monitors. It's a little narrow to actually play KOL on to like test the stuff that I'm doing. So I have to have another, I have to have a browser that is, that is the size of the screen basically. Yeah. Um, Just because I want, I want chat to be fairly wide and, and it gets in the way, but, but yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, uh, you know, I mean, I've been working for, I've been working for the last like 10 or 12 days from home with just the one monitor and it's like more or less fine. Sure. No. One thing that I do wish is that, and maybe it does, but I kind of wish that, uh, windows seven had the ability to set up the taskbar the way that it used to work, where if you have three browsers open that you can click at the bottom and know which one is going to come forward. Yeah. You know, just a single click. You might be able to configure it to work like that, but it's just like I always hated that about Mac OS X, the way that the dock was like, this is both the icon for running a program and the representation that the program is running. See right now, so right now I've got Google Chrome open. So right next to my little windows, like right next to the start button is a little like two stacked Chrome icons yeah and if i hover over that though it gives me a little mini screenshot of each window 
and then I can pick which one I want active. Yeah. Which is not bad. No, it's not. I guess, you know, it's it's a lot of the time, you know, if I have like word buckets open in one window and the misc code spindler open in another one, which is something that I do uh, pretty often, those are indistinguishable in a thumbnail yeah. from one another. And Although I think it would have been equally out of luck in the the old like button with some text on it. No, because thing. all of the because I made most of our GM tools such that the text on the toolbar was informative. Oh. Right, because because that was something that I used as part of my workflow. Like I for even to the point where it's like, well, I know that I'm going to want to know when I'm tabbed out of this what the item ID of this item is without having to switch back over to this tab. So like the item spindler just has the item ID and the title fairly early. So it's always visible on the tab title and on the toolbar. I mean, the tabs more or less accomplish the same thing, but I often, like I said, like I want multiple browser windows of different sizes. So, Hmm. yeah. Yeah. But I haven't, I haven't gone to any movies I don't think that I've really watched anything on television. <laughs> I haven't listened to any music. I have not read any books. I've been listening to the new Daft Punk. Yeah. And that is pretty damn good. Is it? I Nothing about the single made me want to listen to the rest of the album. You didn't tap any toes to get lucky, really? I mean, it's... It's not a bad song. It's just not... Like, the only Daft Punk song that I am really familiar with is... Uh, I don't even know the name of it. Harder, Faster, Better, Stronger. Uh-huh. Which is so good. And and so... It, it, like... Get Lucky doesn't sound like a thing that is constructed. It feels like a thing that's assembled. I guess. Hmm. Like, Harder, Faster feels like a composition to me in the way that, like, and I'm, I mean, I'm a sucker for the, like, sort of 90s electronica deal where you slowly turn a knob as the thing builds in intensity, you know, that is, like, just whatever, like, noise gate or high pass filter or whatever it is that just is a way of altering altering a sound as a part of sort of using that sound as an instrument you know using a sample as an instrument and get lucky just doesn't it doesn't it it didn't feel like to me like it had any of that like it's really the whole album is really organic just kind of weird from them like aside from Aside from the parts where it isn't. I think most of the songs are built around that kind of, like, 70s funk guitar. Kind of waka chicka mm-hmm. thing. But then they'll throw in, like, some video game noises or some vocoder voices. And, uh, like, a guitar solo that sounds like it was a translation of a MIDI of a video game soundtrack from the 80s. And okay. I don't know. Like, I'm not a huge... Daft Punk fan, like I watched Interstellar 5555 possibly, which was the animated music video that's just the entire album that has Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger on it. 
Mm. And that was cool. But like, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of the band because I'd, I haven't really put any effort into listening to them. But this album was really solid. It's good work in music. Mm. Well, maybe I will give it a listen. Between that and Moon Hooch, I've been, I've been in the working music. What is Moon Hooch? They were the guys who opened for They Might Be Giants oh, this right, time. Oh, right, Okay. With a couple of saxophones doing weird, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Ah, uh, man. I, uh, I went on a random little uh, listening to previews on iTunes jag of the Vitamin String Quartet, which is just basically this string quartet that does covers of pop songs. Uh-huh. They tend to do them an album at a time, and a lot of their albums were stuff that I didn't necessarily care about, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember what it came up, what I was searching for that that came up. But uh, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Do you like uh, Apocalyptica? <sighs> Apocalypso? Apocalyptica are the dudes who, like, they did a cov- uh, an album of Metallica covers. was one of their things. They're mostly cello and... Which violin. one of them is the name of the Mel Gibson movie apocalypto is is apocalypto okay i thought that the name of the uh, was there a band locally maybe called apocalypso which was a steel a steel drum band okay yeah okay they played at con one or the barbecue con that was like con two okay okay i'm looking forward to listening to the new kanye west album are you yeah i actually am i like him I've liked everything that I've ever heard, but I've never really sought any of it out. Um, I think I saw him on a Saturday Night Live at some point when I was at my mom's, which is the only time I ever watched Saturday Night Live. I like the way that I watch Saturday Night Live now, which is like 12 people posting that something is funny and so looking it up on Hulu or YouTube. Oh, I see. Something from like the 70s. Well, no, somebody saying like, hey, I'm the one guy who still watches Saturday Night Live in my entire friend group, so I saw this thing, and you should check it out, and then I just get to watch that eight minutes. Hmm. It's good stuff. Digital Shorts. Exactly. By Will Shorts. They're very clever. Um, yeah, wow. I wish to fuck. I, I'm, I'm useless. I am useless without the sauce, Mr. Skullhead. Hmm. My brain just, I, my brain needs a little lubrication, you know? Maybe you should take a spoonful of Vaseline, call me in the morning. Yeah, is that something? No, you don't have to call me in the morning. That's fine. And I guess that lets you, it makes it easier to swallow ping pong balls. Right. Yeah, I have this act where I swallow a bunch of ping pong balls and then <laughs> shoot them out of somebody else's vagina. Projectile shit them at people. I just figured the really cool trick would be to have a female partner and you swallow the ping pong balls mm. and then she shoots them out of her cooter. Yeah. In a, uh, because it, obviously there would be some trickery involved, but it <laughs> sure. would make it look really cool. Yeah, I can't like, even imagine how you would set that up. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, th- it would be cool to do that if, if there were like a thousand of them, right? Like if you ate more than could possibly fit inside your body and she she expelled more than could possibly fit in one uh magazine so so like the uh 
endless scarf ping pong ball equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if she was actually shooting them into your mouth. As you... <laughs> well, wait then, huh? <laughs> yeah, that gets that yeah, gets yeah. existentially weirder. Yeah, the, you're trying to set up kind of a Mobius strip of ping pong balls being shot from various places. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I prefer my trick, which is go to the sporting goods store and just buy some ping pong balls. Ta-da! You're never going to get any applause I've, for that. I've also, I'm also never going to do that. I cannot imagine a set of circumstances in which I would buy any ping pong balls. What if you were setting up for beer pong? I would never be setting up for beer pong. What if you were setting up for scotch pong? Is that a thing? That sounds like a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> no, it, you, you take uh, a nice, like, 12-year-old scotch, mm-hmm. say, and you, you pour the... You'd play just like beer pong, but who wants to drink a bunch of shitty beers, you know, when you could be drinking 16 ounces of scotch every time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh... I don't know that I've ever played beer pong the way that I don't I don't really actually know the rules of beer pong. Right? We Bec- played that one time in Boston. Is pretty much the only time I've played beer pong in a social setting that wasn't like Columbus and Salt Pong. But you put beer in the glasses and then when the ping pong ball goes in the glass, you have to drink the beer out of that glass, right? Yeah, although I don't know if anybody does it that way anymore. Because hmm. everybody figured out that then you have this gross-ass ping-pong ball in your beer. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because I have no memory at all for anything, but I feel like when we played in Boston, everybody just had their beer. And when you made a shot, the other person would have to drink from their beer. I don't remember actually playing. I remember going to that party, but I don't remember participating in the beer pong. Hmm. Maybe I didn't either, but <laughs> I remember it. Hmm. I remember it like it happened. I remember talking to some guys in the kitchen, and one of them was kind of a dick. Was it you? Oh, it could have been. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They <laughs> say that in this conversation is it? Yeah, dick. there's one dick in every story, and if you can't find them, it must be you. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah. But no, I I couldn't like. I don't. I like playing ping pong, but I would never buy a ping pong table. I think that buying a ping pong table makes it so you don't enjoy playing ping pong anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the thing, right? Like, the kid who had the bumper pool table that you would go over to his house and that would be the first time that he had played it in six months was playing it with you. Yeah. Like, the kid with the the... I don't know if the like a pool seems to get used, but like a pinball machine over time just becomes a thing in your house that you don't play because you played it all already. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. You don't get a whole lot of use out of your pool table, right? No, I don't. You know, and I and I would like I would always. I just the problem is that cover, right? I don't want to leave it uncovered because then it'll get dusty and the cat will ruin the felt. Right. Actually, I don't know that she will, but I don't I don't want to find out. Um, You're going to get a cat named Dusty mm-hmm. who would ruin the film. Yes. And and then like because it's always there, somebody puts something on it and then it's like, "Well, I can't take that cover off." <laughs> right? Cuz I have no idea what the first step would be. 
So it just becomes a it becomes another big table. Like the fact that it's right by the exit door to the house means that like that's where I put stuff if I need to remember to take something to the office. Or whatever. That is just the the flat surface phenomenon. Yeah. For sure. Like we have a little liquor cabinet that the top of it has two hinged flaps that fold out to be a nice big surface that you could serve alcohol from. But we can't open it up because it's just covered with stuff. You know, random bits of mail that we didn't need and art, like half done art projects that Ollie was doing or something. Yeah. I try to, I try to avoid that. You know, I enjoy clearing off surfaces and then like trying to preserve their clearedness for as long as possible. Right. I try to be the anti riff, but uh, (laughs) you know, it's also weird. Like I have a hard time imagining like, I think, well, Emily likes to play pool, and I like to play pool. Why do we never just sit down there and drink beer and play pool? And, I mean, I think part of it is because I'm way better at pool than she is. I might just be making this up. I might not actually be way better at pool than she is. It's just this idea that I have in my head because I feel like I've played with her and was way better than her. And I don't know that, like, that isn't fun after a while, you know? Yeah, it's like I don't really like playing the same board game with Hot Stuff more than three or four times because once he figures the game out, I never ever win, and yeah. and so that's you know l- luckily I derive a great deal of satisfaction from buying a board game, playing it three or four times, and then being done. Like I've I've learned what that game had to teach me, you know. Uh, so it's not you know it's not like this is the end of the world, but it's it's just it's one of those things where like. I don't like it's hard for me to imagine just I know there are people who treat card games as just like a way to pass the time right or yeah, like sure. you know I mean I think it's probably the same reason that I cannot imagine ever enjoying playing Mario Party right like if you're just playing yeah. this if you're playing this for something to do like yeah I don't know for me Mario Party is just it is a a social structure that looks just enough like a game that you don't feel like you're not doing anything but is not going to tax anyone who is drunk or tired or involved in conversation sure if there was a co-op see because i would say I, I like playing rock band with other people i mean i theoretically did back when that was still a thing that anybody did but that kind of yeah. went out of fashion but Rock Band is cooperative, right? Like, it's not it's not a competitive thing. But I can imagine, like, oh, you know, with you, you and your girlfriend, you go and you just play Rock Band for a half an hour, and you do that every once in a while. And that would not sure. be terrible, right? Because, I mean, you, there's, there's handicapping, so you can sort of decide what your level of challenge is. Maybe if there was a co-op pool game. Hmm. You know, like... If then you, you, would, you would start to feel like she wasn't pulling her weight. Well, but it wouldn't matter, right? I mean, because as long as... As long as your total ability is above... I mean, like with Rock Band, as long as your total ability is, is above a certain threshold, you're going to win. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think it is just kind of a familiarity thing, though. For the most part. Yeah, like, I mean, I never play pool, and I also never, like, go to a pool hall anymore. Which is the thing that I used to do all the time. And I would always think, I think, man, like, I wish I had my own pool table. If you were in a bar with a pool table and some friends who played pool... I feel like that you would play some pool. Yeah, that's maybe true. But just being at home, 
you know, once you bring it into your house. So I remember you played uh, pool with my father-in-law for a bit. Oh, yeah. When you guys were hanging out and seemed to enjoy that's it. true i mean that's the thing like i, I feel like if jamin came over who is the guy that i used to play pool with all the time i would play some pool with him you know and there have been times that like a buddy of mine that i like playing pool with is like hey why don't i come over and we'll play some pool I'm like all right that sounds good you know but it's like it's like somebody somebody with a fairly well matched skill level yeah is is what is gonna be like, I could play pool with Jamin a thousand times because I maybe win a third of my games against him, right? Hmm. And so that's, it, it just is not like if I just lost every time, it would just stop being fun, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I am bad enough at almost every game that I have developed the ability to just enjoy playing a game kind of an if I win it's like a neat little bonus mm-hmm. but uh, yeah I guess if there was a game that I just never won I would probably eventually stop playing yeah. that's why I probably just like pure strategy games don't appeal to me as much as like your ticket to ride or like Settlers of Catan which have the dice that can kind of mess things up or and like physical pieces to move around that are satisfying and well constructed and like fun to actually play with yeah, like, like for me, like- Ticket to Ride is like, I draw a bunch of tickets, and now I have a job to do, and that's to connect all these cities, and then we'll see if I connected them in a way that made me score higher points than anybody else. And it's almost like everybody else could be playing on a separate board, and I would almost prefer that, because it's super annoying when when I play with somebody who blocks people as a strategy. Yeah. I was like, come on, you like you come up with your plan, I'll come up with mine, and we'll see which one is better. Instead of, you know, the like the way that you actually win at it is to block people. Yeah, like taking over choke points like as soon as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I Ticket to Ride is so weird. I like my almost all of my exposure to it is from we did it as a we did the iOS version of it as a video games hot dog assignment, and that just let you play like a hundred games in a row. You know, uh-huh. in a very short period of time, because it handled all of the, you know, arranging the cards and dealing with the pieces and stuff. And it's like, I I just suddenly like could see the cracks in it in terms of like trying to actually play it to maximize score. And it's right. like you just you basically just have to get lucky with the route draws. That is that is critical. It's so much more important to what your score ends up being than how you play. And so that, I mean, maybe that isn't true for a real serious ticket to ride theory crafter kind of guy, but I just, as far as I could tell, there was, you know, the, the idea that it's a game where you sort of, you're gambling, right? Like it's, it's a pressure luck kind of thing where it's like, cause do you lose points for routes that you didn't complete? Yes. Or is it just like drawing, drawing a route? Yeah, I guess. You draw, so you start out drawing five routes and keeping three, I think. Mm-hmm. And then when you draw again during the game, you draw three and you have to keep one. Right. Drawing so like, drawing uses up your move, though, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah. So in addition to, like, risking, you know, in addition to just, like, straight up math, like, losing the benefit of playing a turn, you also are potentially just wasting it if there's nothing that is connected to the rest of your route 
That's why the best version of the game is that we have a couple of expansions now, so there's three times as many route cards. Mm -hmm. So you have a much better chance of getting something that you've already completed in the course of like completing your initial outlay. So it's worth gambling on. Like Even if you're at the end of the game and you don't have any trains left, it's worth gambling on that stack. Because there, there's a decent chance that there's something in there that'll help. Mm. But then, you know, that's a decision that could end up costing you points. But it's kind of an informed decision. Yeah. I don't know. I like. I admit that the games that I like the most are the ones that that have enough chance in them that people like Hot Stuff were, would lose interest in them fairly quickly. Oh, well, I don't think that's necessarily true of Catan. Hmm. Right? I feel like that is... There is... There are things that I don't like about the game, and I don't... I don't really enjoy it. Like, but... I think my primary problem with it is that it is a game that I understand is so deep that I don't... I don't have any idea how to even begin trying to be good at it. Huh. Right? And so, I feel like I just... I am fucking up the game for other people by playing it. Hmm. Which, I don't play it with people who would ever say that out loud to me. You know? Right. But, like, that, man, this was frustrating. There were people, we played a couple games of, of The Resistance, which is like the... You, you played that with us once, right? At least. Or you watched us yeah. play it. We were playing that with some people in San Francisco, and somebody, like, one of the guys that was playing at this board game night got, got mad at, I think, Jenny, because he was like, you know what? you're just making decisions at random. You're like, it's impossible to learn anything based on what you're doing because you're making decisions at random. And like, I guess it's okay to think that in your head. Uh. It is like, so not okay to be a dick about that. Like if, so I would express annoyance. I would, I would, I would say to somebody, man, that's lame. And I wish you wouldn't do that. If, they say, get frustrated and walk off in the middle of a game. Therefore, sure. like, actually fucking the game up. Like, that is not okay to do, and it is okay to say to someone that is not okay to do it. But if, like, somebody is bumbling around and having fun and just happens to accidentally do something that interferes with your plans, you're not allowed to be mad at them. Like, it, yeah, I would argue, like, board game night is a bad time to be mad at anybody for anything. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's a little bit strange. Like, if you're getting so frustrated at the game that you have to walk away from it or raise your voice even, it's like, mm -hmm. maybe board games aren't for you. You should go play Mario Party until you learn not to care whether you win a game or not. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I do I do understand that the, like, the like, most common voice raising or, or, or moments of anger or frustration when, when I'm playing board games with the people that I normally play with is, like, when one of us will just deliberately fuck something up that Kevin was trying to do because <laughs> everybody just dogpiles on him because because he's got this reputation of being the guy that always wins. You know, or if it's just like, ah, fuck, there is one of two moves that this person could make in like a worker placement game, say, and one of them means that I can do this thing that I've been building up to for the last nine turns and the other means that I am just fucked. And then they do right. the one that means you're fucked and you're just like, God damn it. Like, 
it's there there is I think it is okay to be frustrated when your plans are foiled because that is one of the most frustrating things that can happen to a person even in the abstract of a game like right. the, the kind of guy that doesn't get a little bit frustrated when that happens is the the fire in his heart is out you know yeah but there's like there's a difference between oh god damn it and oh god damn it <laughs> like you fucked up my move like Sure. Mm-hmm. We're we're still playing a game, though. Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing is that everyone gets to play. Right. Well, like that's the the tightrope that I'm trying to walk because, like, my dad is so into games, and as are his brothers. That, like, we had a family reunion split up because of a game of taboo, where. Like, two of the uncles started arguing about how much interference each side was giving during the the other side's time to go. And a couple of them packed up and left the family reunion and, like, just went home. So, like, I'm trying to walk that line. I don't want to be... Like, I want to care enough about playing a game and wanting to win it that it's fun. But I never, ever want to lose my temper because of a game. Sure. It just seems so pointless. Yeah. I mean, it is, though. Like, I feel like games are a good indicator of, like, a lot of what you have to do as as a civilization, a lot of what you have to do as, as a person to sort of get along is, is recognize that a lot of rules are fairly arbitrary, right? But you have mm-hmm. to do, you have to obey them because there's a reason that they're there, right? There is, there is value in, I mean, you know, being the boss means that I understand that every deadline that we have for anything that we do at work is just a date that I made up, but we all agree to pretend that those are real obligations that we have, and that's how we ever get any work done, right? And so playing yeah. a game, the only, the only actual, like, thing that I think does merit getting angry is if somebody cheats because that's just not okay you know yeah if somebody if somebody walks away in the middle and there is no way to finish the game right because maybe you've started a three-player game and now it's a two-player game and so it's just fucked no, oh yeah i agree that that's or whatever. total bullshit yeah. yeah but you know apart from just like all right we have decided that we're gonna play this game and these are the rules of this game and so we obey the rules of this game in in the abstract like and that's why that's why Mario Party bothers me more than you know even a a silly game with a lot of randomness in it like yeah that's that's kind of why I hate flux for the same reason that I hate Mario Party because it basically doesn't matter what you do and I like I like I like games that are not directly person to person competitive but where there is some amount of that but mostly what you're trying to do is just get a better score than you did last time right you know and yeah fuck flux man <laughs> I've never played flux and that's partially because of how you feel about mm. it I think yeah. <laughs> it just seems like a a waste of time in a way that like Blank white cards is not a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's... But I guess that's one where you don't 
go into it with the expectation that it's a game. It's just about oh yeah, when people try to impressing play, people with how clever you yeah, are. Yeah, when people try to play blank white cards like it's a game, it just it rapidly gets not fun because there's just mm. there's this brinksmanship of everything. Every card that is not mine is worth zero points, and I get a million points. And then yeah. you know the next person. I mean, that's funny for a little while. To, to just be like that's like funny once yeah, yeah. but but you know you, you don't want somebody who's doing that kind of doesn't get it they don't understand why they're there yeah oh man we were at a party uh, I, I don't know uh, I don't know her uh, her KOL name but it's but it's a it's a local gal it was her birthday party and uh, it was great it was a great party I, I met and talked to a mailman for quite a while Fun. That was illuminating. Uh, there was a place that I could be at the party where I was not within earshot of the fucking Cards Against Humanity game that was going on in the other room with 15 people playing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and I have differing opinions on that game, yes. Yeah, we do. Um, to me, that game is like the Holocaust. Lol. Uh-huh. And it's not. It's about it's big black dicks. And to you, it's like caused the Holocaust. Bacon. <laughs> bacon. Hmm. I think you just don't like it when somebody when a a judge judges somebody else to be funnier than you are. Well, I've never played cards against. Well, like you, you didn't like that. apples to apples because you would go, but mine is clearly better than that one no i I don't did you pick that i don't know that i ever felt like that i i think that the the reason that historically i've not liked apples to apples is because i've only ever played it with like three times as many people as the rules say should be playing it Uh, right and i mean at that point it's like all right we're playing this game but we're ignoring the rules and at that's the point at which i'm like all right i have already lost interest hmm. you know this is like i kind of don't even like it with like Nightmare, who is a guy that generally feels the way that I do about games, but he is a lot more apt to do, like, just weird house rules and try and play variants of stuff mm-hmm. in a way that I just don't, I, you know, I mean, it's not that I hate it, it's just that I wouldn't do it. But I don't know, you know, I mean, if there was a, if there was a game that I was like, oh, this game isn't fun, but I can see a way in which it would be more fun, and that's a, that's a fun thing to do if, you know, it's like a game that I made or whatever, but, right. but I don't, I don't know, it's like I, I kind of, I would rather not play something than make something where I not only had to teach new people the rules, but also teach them this weird variant that I made up that made me think it was more fun. You're not a big Monopoly fan? Eh, I don't know. Anybody who says that they enjoy playing Monopoly has not played Monopoly recently. Yeah. I mean, I don't... You know, there's the, the, the canonical thing that you say is, well, you know, I've heard that Monopoly goes a lot faster if you actually follow the rules. But then I've, people have tried it and said, no, nope, that's not true. It still fucking sucks. Um, well, Monopoly is just math, right? Like a, a computer could play Monopoly all by itself without you. I used to play a computer version of Monopoly where a game, you could do a whole game in like 10 minutes. Right. And that was kind of fun. And when I was a kid, you know, a lot of things were fun when I was a kid and I had very few things that I could be doing. 
<laughs> at any given moment. I mean, I guess that I could have just gone outside or read a book, and my imagination could have taken me anywhere. Well, speaking of imaginations yeah. taking people places, uh, do you want to let our imaginations take people places by answering some questions about our video game, The Kingdom of Loathing? Yes, let's do that. All righty. In this forum thread that I see before me, uh, Wirt Perch says, having just listened to the latest 120 minutes with Jake and Mr. Skullhead, I realize that I'm not that familiar with They Might Be Giants. Any suggestions as to a good album or two to get a feel for their music? Uh, I recognize that sometimes I'm left behind on some of the cultural references in-game, and this could only help. On that note, however, thank you for the Pogo references in the Mist Quest. I enjoyed that very much, so kudos to whoever wrote that. That was all riff, because I know fuck all about Pogo. Like I, I, I read a, a big book of Pogo back in the day, and like most things that are supposed to be awesome but came from the 40s, I had trouble parsing it, I guess. Mm-hmm. What other things are from the 40s and are supposed to be awesome? Oh, I have no Silver idea. Silver Age I didn't really comics. think that through. <laughs> yeah. So, I would probably say Lincoln... And Apollo 18. Although, f- I think, for the most part, Flood has to be on any top two list. Right. I just don't know which one of those other ones I would get rid of. I think Flood is a really good jumping on point. I don't think it's their best album, but it's the most accessible. Whereas, like, I guess They Might Be Giants had... It has a couple of weird tracks on it that might have put me off really getting into them, and so does Lincoln. Mm-hmm. But Flood is, except for Hearing Aid, which is just bizarre, Flood is pretty, just consistently good without getting too crazy, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, I think you could possibly jump on it, join us, because that that was incredibly good. I just, I have no real sense, because my introduction to They Might Be Giants was a mixtape that you gave me. Uh-huh. Yeah, what you need to do is uh, ask me very nicely to make you a mixtape. Mm-hmm. And I'll do it in my classic fashion where I would just have two minutes of tape left and put a three-minute song on and just let it stop. Uh, F says, this is probably better for the other show, but why are you guys opening a sweet, sweet office in San Fran? Eh, we're not really. We're just going to be in an apartment. Um, Hot Stuff's girlfriend got a job there. And so rather than splitting his time between Chicago and here... Uh, he's going to be in San Fran, and I'm going to split my time between here and San Fran, because that's where I want to be, because I like mm. it there. I like it, and it likes me. And the way that it says that it likes me is by giving me lots of turds to step on. And making it so that you can walk to get a cup of that coffee. Is, that is the really the main thing. I, I have no idea why the fuck that specific thing is so important, but it's just, I I cannot it's a symptom, overstate I, it is right. I mean, that is that is representative of a space that I can occupy where I don't have to drive for ten minutes to do everything. Yeah. Um, also, bagels, bagels that are good. You cannot get a fucking bagel in this city, Mister Skullhead. Um, don't they, do they not have like a Brugger's or an Einstein Brothers? Because like those are acceptable bagels. Are they? I think of Einstein Brothers. I never go to an Einstein Brothers because I think of it as a place where you go to get like a giant bagel sandwich. You know, like a like a thing where it's it's like Schlotzky's only with a bagel instead of sourdough bread or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't think of going there and just getting a bagel. 
So yeah, I usually end up with just a bagel and cream cheese yeah. at a Brugger's. I don't know that there is a Brugger. There was a there was a Brickway Bagels here, which was just a little thing, but then they went out of business. Hmm. I was going through I was going through some old wallet contents in a pile, and uh, I was sad because I found a half filled out frequent customer punch card for a place that no longer exists. Hmm. Are Schlotzkys still a thing? Because you just mm-hmm. didn't reminded me that they used to be a thing, and man, those are good. Yeah, they are. I never. There's one fairly close to the office, but I so rarely remember that it exists but i don't there's there has got to be something like deeply poisonous about something that is that satisfying to eat like it seems like how do you get this bread to taste so good oh it is 90 percent butter or Mm. whatever right i mean it's you know not that not that butter is bad for you inherently but like it's there's got to be something weird going on with it for it to be because right. it's just it's just like the candy bar it's like the sandwich equivalent of a candy bar you know it's like I feel like I could eat a 10 pound sandwich from Schlotzky's and still want to eat more of it yeah it was fantastic we should go there we should go there over con uh, F says also what or who would you want to be locked in a dark room with the least I would see an infinite number of Schlotzky's sandwiches because I just wouldn't be able to stop eating them, and I wouldn't be able to see how fat I was getting. And so by the time I came out of the room, it would be like, fuck. I mean, fuck. Right. I'm going to go for a bear. Just a bear. Like, a, because you don't want to, you don't like... Uh... I don't want to get mauled by a bear. Mm. I was going to... And I feel like that is inevitably going to happen. Uh, you I was going to say, you don't want to get bored and have sex with him. Yeah, if it has to be worse than that, a horny bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you think like an actual horny bear do you think it would matter do you think a horny bear would be more likely to hurt you than a non-horny bear it would be more likely to hurt me in ways that I would not enjoy huh. I don't know that a horny bear would even know what to do with a man of your caliber hmm. my caliber Wax says what awesome stuff do you want to write about that you haven't had time for blah what I'm just, uh, I just started trying Game of Thrones again. I'm going to try and watch that so that I can, uh, almost entirely so that I can talk about it in Kingdom and with all of my friends who are watching it. Ah, okay. But man, can I not muster up much enthusiasm for that shit. I, uh, I spent about an hour last night just randomly watching clips from Deadwood on YouTube. Kind of made me want to watch Deadwood again instead of trying to watch something new. Now, you've seen all the Deadwood, right? I have, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen... I loved Carnival when it was when it came out, but I think I've only seen the first season. Second season is weaker. But then, like, finding out that it doesn't really go anywhere yeah. before they're canceled, it was kind of off-putting. We had a long conversation about this on the last Video Games Hot Dog, whereas I, my ah. feeling is that it just doesn't really matter that it doesn't go anywhere, because mm. it, is, it is a story of a scope that can only have a disappointing ending. Right, right. Um, it ends with forty appendices about how to speak elfish. So, uh, what we don't have time for that we would like to write about is a story of such scope that we could end it however we want, and nobody would be justified in complaining. I don't know if that's what he meant, like consuming media to be able to to reference it. Like I, you know, I don't know that I am the kind of person that really wants to 
say write a novel yeah you know i mean i probably could I, and it wouldn't yeah. be very good but i don't i don't think i am a sharp enough observer of the human condition to write a novel yeah like knowing remembering details of conversation so that i get a just an idea of what people talk like so that i can write dialogue is not really me so i think like the writing that i'm doing right now is pretty well matched with my skills yeah yeah agreed just sort of one-off i mean you know i feel like i could probably write a pretty good riff track right you know but i don't know i would like to write more uh i'd like to write more uh lars the siberian Mm -hmm. honestly because that's fun do it Glebe says, can you or Uncle C.D. Moyer make us our session remembers how we're sorting our inventory consumables between logins? This is boring talking about video game stuff. I, I mean, I know that should happen. I don't know how any of that works, so I don't know how it is stored. Um, but probably. I mean, even if it was probably just like the way that I know that some of the collapsing stuff just like stores a cookie so that we don't have to devote database activity to it also jake you're wrong about the gravy fairy not being essential to newbies there's tons of ascension relevant items to farm for that are either too expensive or quest items i ran a noob account through his first run and it was 57 percent gravy fairy yeah but you're not a newbie so what's important to you trying to play a blank account is not necessarily going to be important to a new player right because they don't hmm. they don't know or care what items are ascension relevant like yeah, it is important to have a fairy if you want to do a run that's faster than a month, but if you don't know that that's what you want, then you don't want that. Right. Uh, kind of Dead Guy says, This might be too make a KOLE, but this is the easiest way to get in touch with you guys. I hate seeing you as aggravated by people as you were last week about a bug that shall remain unnamed. It got me thinking, though. You always used to have a vector to reward people for reporting bugs, the bug finder and bigger bug finder blades. Why not relaunch handing out those items? Why did you stop giving them out to begin with? The thing is, we didn't stop giving them out. We stopped having bugs that were serious enough to give them out for. Right? Like Because those were never like... Those were never for weird, exploity things like that. Like, this this is a weird thing that you can do that shaves ten turns off of your run was never a thing that we gave a blade for, right? It was like, this is an infinite meat bug. That was a blade. This lets you dupe an item. That was a blade. This lets you arbitrarily create an item. That was a blade. But it was not like, you know, we didn't give them out for typos, you know, we didn't, yeah. we didn't ever, and you know, every once in a while it's like, oh, well, somebody was like, hey, why don't you have a bug finder butter knife that you give out for typos? And it's like, well, because that would be a logistical nightmare. D- that would encourage people to report typos. Yeah, which we totally don't want. On a related note, if you were to consider reintroduction of handing them out, maybe even make them optimal for some tiny, tiny aftercore niche usage so dick stabbers will really want them. Make dick stabbers work for you. Eh, I just don't. You know, this this came up internally, and I don't... I don't think that there is a thing that we can do that will encourage a sort of a cultural shift that would prevent these things that I get aggravated by. Like, it's not... It's fine for me. Like, I, you know, it doesn't hurt me to be mad at a dude for exploiting a thing and being a dick about it, right? Like, it's... I like being frustrated with things is just a thing that happens when you're alive 
and have mm. stuff that people care about that you are responsible for, you know? And so it's right. not like n nothing really needs to change. There are just, there are behaviors that are always going to piss me off and posting exploits publicly without reporting them privately is, I think, just fucking unconscionable and it is always going to piss me off no matter what the set of circumstances is. Whether it's a thing that I have to deal with or whether it's a thing that the government has to deal with or whether it's a thing that Microsoft has to deal with or what the fuck ever. Like, posting bugs publicly to force an organization that you're not a part of to prioritize what you think is important rather than what they think is important is just fucking selfish bullshit. And it's never okay. And, you know... I'm not going to be able to stop people from doing it because there are a bunch of people who think that it makes them some sort of fucking crusader for the good of the common man and there's no way to there's no way to talk them out of it. And so, you know, whatever. Uh Detor Sojat says, Is that vaguely worried looking character actor you were trying to think of last show, Paul Giamatti? Man, A, Paul Giamatti's not a character actor. He's a fucking leading ass man. He's a leading ass man. And, uh, no, it was, uh, Oliver Platt was the guy that I was trying to think of. Um, he is often wearing a suit. He is often sweaty. Um, and I'm not saying he's vaguely worried looking. It's just, he's always a guy that's, like, concerned about whatever the firebrand main character is planning on doing. And he's like, I don't think that's gonna work. I don't think that's gonna work, man. Are you sure you want to do that? And then he's like, hey, you were right. And then he's all jovial about it. Or it's like other people are having success that I can't have for myself. Kind of, there's a, like a hangdog aspect to him. He does, he's kind of jolly. He was downright uh, whimsical in the Disney Three Musketeers that came out in the '90s. Oh yeah, he was delightful in that. Yeah, he was a happy guy. Was he one of the Musketeers? Yeah, he was. Clozo. He was Lich yep. Lichesis. Clorzo. He was Gozer, I think. <laughs> See, I was trying to think of other things that there were three of. He was Crackle. Um, you should uh, you should see that. It's Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, and Oliver Platt as the Three Musketeers, and Tim Curry as the uh, as the what's his name? D'Artagnan. No, as the uh, the bad guy. Is D'Artagnan one of the Three Musketeers, or he is the, the fourth, fourth Three okay. Musketeer? He had, no D'Artagnan was. Uh, Chris O'Connell or O'Donnell Christopher O'Donnell Robin is that Robin yeah okay um it's a good movie it's fun I don't know anything about the three musketeers like I would not be able to tell you within a hundred years when the book was written or anything that it was about it's about these three blokes I mean I guess it has to be post the invention of the musket right right um <laughs> so unless they were the first okay sure it would have been just Precisely at that moment, right. and that, we I mean, shall call it a musket and ourselves musketeers. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I guess that's like if if Jules Verne had, if somebody had invented something that Jules Verne presaged and then just decided to call it what he called it in his in his novel, then that would fuck <laughs> that would fuck up my current methodology for figuring out what the earliest something could have been written was. I also don't know when the musket was invented. I mean, like the Chinese had gunpowder. We had muskets in the 1700s here, right? Now you got me wondering. I I want to say like 1400s France is when it's set, but I'm going to have to look now. 
You should totally see that movie, though, because you'll see Oliver Platt all cracking jokes and fopping around. It's fantastic. Fopping around. Fopping around. Baz. Uh, Published in 1844. Oh, set in the 17th century, so 1600s. Okay. So it was was written after the invention of the musket, but it was set before the invention. When were muskets invented? I'm going to Wikipedia this. I'm going to look up musket. Today I looked at the Wikipedia article for Ho. Um, etymology. Development. Let's see. The first hand cannon. The hand cannon was first used in China in the 13th century. Musketeers were utilized in the Ming Dynasty from 1368. Wait. Okay. So musketeers were utilized in the Ming Dynasty 1368 to 1644. So... That isn't saying anything except at least as early as 1644. Right. Man. Uh, Baz Brian says, I also had a thought. It would be cool if I could create custom groups to put my familiars in. Sort of like custom inventory tabs. Custom familiar corrals? Please discuss. Well, you got favorites. You know, I guess mm-hmm. I guess if you... <sighs> so like the ability to put them into categories that you would define yourself? Yeah. Other than just favorite Probably. or not favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine, like, wanting to... Like, the way that I would play, I just would not really switch between that many familiars. You know? Yeah. So, it's... Yeah. Also, I suspect Jake is thinking about the florist reminders wrong. If it reminded you on the first adventure in each zone that you hadn't planted there yet, that would be sweet. <sighs> well, I still don't think it's as simple as you guys are imagining that it is. Like, because I don't think that you always want to plant stuff in every zone every day. You know? Mm. Uh, Wade McBob says, I'm not sure which show you guys prefer, prefer to field Word Realms questions on, so I guess I'll just throw it out here. And then basically writes a novel about how maybe $11 is too much for the game. And, you know... I don't really want I don't really want to go off about this. I don't think that you can point to any one thing and say that that is why the game is not taking off. Right? Like because it's not like we're charging $50 for it. And I think that I probably overstate the percentage of the market to whom is effectively the same as $5. But I think everybody else probably understates it. So I I don't think that a bunch of people are aware of the game and it is a thing that they want, but they don't want to pay $11 where they would pay $9 or $7 or $5 or $3. I could be wrong about that. But, you know... I don't know. Hot Stuff has been saying the same thing. He thinks maybe it's too expensive. But, you know, I like, if there was any fucking way in this year of our Lord 2013 to, like, say, know how many people have looked at a fucking web page on a server that you own, then that would be one thing. But since there's apparently fucking not, that's a thing I can get grouchy about. Scully Angel says, no, wait. 
Uh, Rob Mooseman says, just ordered some shirts from the KOL store and I was curious if there was a less expensive alternative payment system for you. I know you use other payment options to buy Mr. A's, so why not in the store? Just annoyed at having to set up an, yet another account that I will only be accessing when I want to order something from the KOL store when I can use my pre-existing Amazon account to pay for Mr. A's. I don't know that... Like, if you use the internet very much to buy stuff, a PayPal account is not going to be a thing that you only ever use to buy stuff from the KOL store. So there's a couple things. It is not nearly as straightforward to add another payment option to the the asymmetric store as it is for donating because the donating is a single a single sort of monolithic transaction that we send you there and then it sends you back. The store require the store is using PayPal's shopping cart which I probably Amazon has that, probably Google Payments has that. But it is a lot more work, and it is a lot more work for very little tangible gain. Like, we don't get... I, I, the, 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 the amount of money that it costs us to just have the transactions processed is basically the same across all of the different payment methodologies. So the way that we prioritize and encourage them is based more on who we're pissed off at about the most recent thing that one of them did to piss us off. Um, but I like, I, mean, I think that just looking at it from it and, and I hate, I hate thinking about things like this, but just part of my job is that I have to, I am guessing that the amount of money that it would cost for me to pay someone to add, say the ability to take Amazon payments in the store of loathing would probably eat up five months of profit from the store of loathing. So you don't have to have a PayPal account to check out at the store of loathing, do you? No, mm. I mean you don't. You don't have to have a PayPal account to use PayPal, right? Like you can just put in credit card information and do it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's such a that's such a weird a weird thing. Like the idea that somebody could come in and just make a thing where you can take credit cards only they don't charge you as much of a fee as PayPal does, but then it usually turns out, oh wait, no, sorry, we can't. <laughs> like Square, when they were like, all right, we're all ready to launch, and then they were like, oh fuck, wait a minute, we just found out about this thing that we didn't think was going to be a big deal, but it's totally a big deal and our business model isn't going to work. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Well, so the square is is going now. It is, like, yeah. They're, they're doing stuff. Yeah, but it's basically the 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 fees are essentially the same as PayPal. Hmm. Right. The reason that it is cheaper for us to use Square is that the way that we were using PayPal to sell things in the real world involved us collecting the credit card information and then manually typing it in later when we had reliable internet yeah. access because we the point of sale system was on a computer. And that you know, is the way that all credit card transactions used to work, but it is to use that service through PayPal, they charge a $20 a month surcharge to be able to actually type in somebody's credit card number and, and, and use it, whereas Square doesn't do that. And also it runs the things in real time. You know, you yeah. can do it by typing it in, but it runs it right then. Um, and just the fact that it doesn't have that extra $20 a month makes it significantly more feasible. I mean, it made it so it did not take very long at all to pay off buying an iPad so that we could use Square at places that are out in the world. Uh, Scully Angel says, my Norse ancestors always smiled down upon you guys for pronouncing Jarlsburg correctly. Collectly. 
Uh, Carlsberg? Uh, do you guys have a favorite cheese? I don't... I like me a sharp cheddar. I don't know that I have a favorite the cheese. The sharper the better. I, uh, you know, I like, a, I like a provolone pretty well. I like... Uh, you know, but I also like a parmesan. There's, there's so many mm. things that cheese has to offer. I'm not... I'm not in love with brie or other soft cheeses, but I would also not say never. Although I discovered the baked brie, and that changed the way that I feel about brie a lot. Really? Yeah, where you take just a wheel of brie and cover it in croissant, like Pillsbury croissant roll dough, pretty much, and then bake the thing, and then you open that up and you eat it with the crackers and with the croissant and maybe even a grape or two, and Jesus Christ, that's good. Are you supposed to eat the rind of a brie? If it's heated up like that, then it kind of melts back in. I always have, even when it's like room temperature and it is a rind, although it smells a little bit like semen, hmm. which is kind of off-putting. And then my semen smells a little like brie after I've eaten an entire. I was going to say mine. Uh, my when when I put my semen in pudding, it smells like off, uh, which is good for. It's a good way if all I have is time and pudding uh, to to produce some insect repellent. <laughs> Is that all that is? I'm gonna. I'm going straight to Pinterest with that. <laughs> That's why they don't publicize the ingredients. They would. Home. You would know how easy it is to make it yourself. Were there ever any? Uh, was there a big bug problem in that old apartment you used to live in, where it smelled like semen every summer? Uh, no, I mean that. Pretty much the entire city of Phoenix gets that. The semen trees. I remember the the first time I went over there and smelled the semen trees, and then you said, hey, I have some hummus, but it kind of smells like pussy. Mm -hmm. And so it was a weird day it for was. me. It was, yeah. Yeah, you didn't know what to think. Your nose was telling you one thing, and your mouth was telling you no. I'm surprised that uh, I remembered at that point what pussy smelled like, but uh, mm -hmm. good times. Good times. Um, wasn't that also the first time you ever smoked pot that yeah. same day? We have all these memories and they were all the same day. I think that meant that there was fancy stuff happening to us all the time. I think it was just that there was I went over to that apartment like 3 times mm -hmm. in the entire time that you lived One there. One time was the first time you smoked pot. One time you guys all took ecstasy and I think I just left. Or no, you stayed there and talked to the other the girl that we had brought with us that wasn't taking oh, ecstasy okay. either. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that was New Year's Eve, 2000 into 2001. Right. Um, what, uh, yeah, but I, I like, I like a lot of different kinds of, I like a, um, I like an Emmentaler. I like, I like a Jarlsberg. I used to buy, uh, I used to buy a significant amount of Jarlsberg. You know, but like a, uh, like a Gruyere is okay. Cheddar is fine, but I don't like the texture so much. I don't. I don't like a cheese that gets all soft and fills in all the crevices in your teeth, oh. and then it's like your mouth is just creamy for the rest of the day. Yeah, I know how you how much you hate yeah. that. Best movie featuring a queen. Um. Well, I guess the Neverending Story well, featured an empress. Flash Gordon, not a queen, and featured a queen on the soundtrack. That was quite good. Uh. The King's Speech. That, was that a good movie, movie features a queen and is very good. 
Which is not to say that I'm, that guy is gay, to my knowledge. But uh, You know something that I thought of the other day that kind of made me angry? That made me really not... Like, it, very explicitly in a way that I don't normally not understand at all where a politically correct word usage sentiment is coming from. Okay. <clears throat> as far as I know, the word tranny, which is apparently one of those things that is offensive and marginalizing and should not be said, means transvestite. Not transsexual. Am I mm. wrong about that? Yeah, I, like now? Apparently. Huh. Because if it I was... I don't know what you're supposed to call a transvestite if you want to demean them. I never thought of that as a demeaning term. At all. I thought of it mm. as a term that was easier to say. Oh, so you thought of it as just short just for Just short transvestite. for transvestite, yeah. Yeah. But it turns out it's the retard of transsexual. Huh. It's weird. Like, people I know who are totally on board with everything else have are drawing a hard line in the sand at tranny it's weird to watch i mean i don't i don't know that i'm ever gonna draw another such line yeah but it, when it when it's i was like oh okay so you don't you, you know you you can't say tranny anymore because it's like retard but for the transgendered but then sure but then i realized wait a minute no it's not like the only time that i've ever seen the word used is to describe maybe say a woman that looks like a dude right mm. like that person looks like a man in drag that is what it would mean if i said that person looks like a tranny hmm. but i but words mean what everybody else thinks they mean yeah no i guess it just never occurred to me that that's mm -hmm. what people thought that that meant because i was like so, so wait it was something like, you're not allowed to make fun of people for where like you're not allowed to Mention that a guy wearing a dress is weird because I don't think that's a winnable fight. I mean, so is drag queen offensive? It's okay to say that the tranny on your car needs fixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you said that the person who fixed the tranny on your car looked like a tranny, that would be I, on the panel. I need my yard mode. <laughs> Give me the phone number of a wetback. Is not okay to say. I am. Um, I think that most of the most of the things that I say that are racist against Mexicans are me just being very uncomfortable about the social dynamic that I find myself surrounded by. Like, sure. I know that there is something fucked up about the fact that every person who mows lawns for a living in Phoenix is Mexican, and so when I say, uh, you know, when I make a joke like, uh, you can't tell a person to mow your lawn differently because they don't speak English. That's kind of true. And I... You're not celebrating that. Right. Fact. And and it's... It, 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 like... I... There are certain... Like, weird power dynamics that I'm actively exposed to on a day-to-day -day basis, I feel like I'm more likely to make jokes about that would probably upset somebody because it is an actual sort of source of discomfort that I joke about in order to process it. You know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that probably, that's probably worse, right? 
Well, me like worrying that I'm going to say something inappropriate around a black person because my upbringing involved very little black people around Mm -hmm. makes it so that all I can do is remark on the, you know, say all I can do is say vaguely racist shit. So, uh, it was weird. So I went to, uh, I went to the TT Roadhouse yesterday for the first time in, in quite a while. Uh, cause I, I, I found out that my old, old, old roommate from when I first started working on KOL is apparently back living in town. And, uh, so we went out and had some beers yesterday and caught up and I, and I, I was telling stories about my ex-wife's family and I was like, huh, I wonder if I, I wonder if that was a thing that was okay to say within earshot of the only other black person I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess it was. He heard me and didn't get mad. When I was like, black people, they sure can't ski. He was forced to admit that it was true. Some stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. I mean, and I guess I know some other black people. I just don't count people who play KOL as people. I mean, yeah, I don't count people who play KOL as black people because they're nerds. Okay, yeah, sure. This is the thing. This guy's a nerd, too. I mean, the the bartender there is definitely like like a comic enthusiast. Like, I think of myself as, like, a guy who's uncomfortable around black people, but that's not at all true. Like, I'm uncomfortable around someone from a culture that is foreign to me where I don't know what the rules mm-hmm. are. It's like, I would rather hang out with, like, Princess Self than with a white guy who was a juggalo. hmm You know, or, like... A white guy who was super into football and would kick the shit out of you if you said the wrong thing about the wrong team. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, so it's definitely a cultural thing and not a skin color thing, which is fairly... Right, you know, I mean, it's more that you don't want to... You don't feel comfortable around people who are, say, more likely to commit a violent crime against you. <laughs> or yeah, wait, or no. to pollute, the, pollute your bloodline uh, by force. Yeah. <laughs> by- people, who are, people who are likely to... Belong to a culture that I don't know how to interact with without giving. There's offense. only one culture, buddy. We're all Americans. The tranny culture. Yeah. Did you say tranny culture? The tranny culture. Is that the only one? We got in trouble because uh, one of our uh, horror show dudes said no. I know on the on the podcast, and I when I said that we we you know you can't say that and feel reasonable. Like this is a guy who would not say nigger if he were reading Huck Finn you know like that is you just don't even say like he would have preferred just then if I had said the n word instead mm-hmm. and he would never call somebody a faggot but for this he was like nope these people you know you can say that you're really a girl inside but that's just a choice that you're making to to dress or you know have surgery to be another gender so I don't have to validate your life choice <laughs> I was like, but man, people would say that about gay people and you would disagree with that wholeheartedly. And there's just as much evidence, but you know, like that's his Rubicon. Yeah. And it's weird. I mean, I, like it is definitely harder to wrap your head around. Right. And so everybody's got, everybody's got a threshold for an amount of difference that they are capable of. Like, not not in a, like, emotional empathy sense, but just in a literal, like, 
incapable of even imagining what it is like. Right? Like, mm. I, you know, I find it difficult to imagine being attracted to guys, but not, it is not like so crazy that I can't conceive of it, right? And you can at least imagine a parallel to the romantic relationships and the urges that you yeah, have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just, just directed, directed at, the other at a gender, dude like instead this? of a lady, yeah. right? Like, and that, so that's, that is definitely easier to imagine than like, oh, I, I know that I am not the, the gender that my body biologically expresses. Right. Like, yeah, but like I land at, they seem pretty sure. Yeah, sure. So, you know. No, and I mean, I, like, like, and having fought against a couple of these in the past, the like, we don't say this anymore. And now it's just like, you know what? I don't want anybody to feel bad. I'll, I'll, I'll police my speech on behalf of other people. Like, I don't, I don't think a lot of it is that necessary, but, you know, I, I'm not some retard who's going to keep sure. saying words that people don't want me to say, like some kind of faggot. Do you, what do you, what do you think about the whole Paula Dean thing? Oh, the, what she said, like, nigger once 20 years ago? It was not very, I mean, I, I didn't really the transcript, the interview transcript wasn't, wasn't real flattering. Because it was like, yes, mm. I have used that word in the past, but only to apply to bad black people. And like, yeah. eh, you know, it's... Which is the Chris Rock test, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how he uses sure. that word. Sure. But I'm sorry, I have to check my... Yeah, who knows, who knows how he would feel about that now, right? I mean, like... Yeah, I feel like the, 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 the rough thing about ever saying anything about anything controversial in an age where everything gets put in front of everyone if it's controversial mm. it's 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 a lot of dangerous territory to tread right i mean that like if we were public figures of more significant magnitude people could just ruin us with clips from radio shows from 10 years ago you know right. and that sucks it sucks that it, but it doesn't like it doesn't suck that you learn stuff over time, right? It just it kind of sucks that like you Facebook means that you can't escape the indiscretions of your youth. You know, yeah. I mean, they they used to threaten us with the idea of a permanent record, which never existed, but now it totally does, and it is so much more insidious than what they were implying. Yeah, I weep for kids who are growing up today because like. If every church like performance that I put on was on YouTube forever for all of my friends to see for the rest of my life, that would be horrible. I mean, you know, it would be like the stupid shit that I got up to when I was a kid. I would. I'm glad that it wasn't. It's on nothing but VHS tape. You know, it would be fine. You know, it would be fine. It will be you know, it, like everybody is equally embarrassed. Yeah. So embarrassed, it will yeah. it will be fine, you know. But I mean, then you get something where like eh, you know, Jislane, uh, whatever his name is, uh, the Star Wars kid, you know, uh -huh. that really fucked him up. Y you know, to hear it to hear it told, and you know, maybe he was the kind of guy that was gonna get fucked up by one thing or another anyway. You know, but 
Like, who knows? Yeah. You know, it's it's really hard to like I can't even imagine like if I couldn't walk down the street without being recognized, without being reminded of one of the things that my brain is always like, "Hey, remember that fucking horrible embarrassing thing you did like 6 years ago or 25 years ago? Let's think about that for a while. That'll make you happy." Or like a reporter calling you to say, "Hey, we wanted to do a story on the 6th anniversary of the time you were horribly embarrassed in front of the entire yeah, world." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, so that like that does kind of suck you know ah, man but but it's true like it as everyone becomes completely devoid of privacy the the entire just the, the huge backlog of everybody's information out there would mean that it would have to be something pretty spectacular who's that uh who's the director that got in trouble for saying rehearsals for fags uh, Brett Ratner. Yeah. I mean, I understand that it is not okay to say that, but I don't know that it is a crime that is really deserving of, like, serious career punishment, you know? Mm. Like, I don't know that the punishment for that should be telling everyone in the world who would be upset about it that you did it, Right. I don't imagine, though, that anybody is going, he said fag, I'm never going to work with him. Yeah, I mean, I guess I... Uh, because as long as he's getting the box office, it would be like, shit, yeah, you know, Mel Gibson's a Nazi. I don't care if he's going to make money, I'll work yeah. with him. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I overstate the extent to which the outrage that I encounter actually has any measurable effect on the world. I mean, what, yeah. I guess... The the thing the thing that I think that was the most coherent point about the Paula Dean thing is that like Paula Dean's crime is not knowing the right way to be a racist in an era where everything you say gets put in front of everybody, right? right? And and it's like there's a part of me that's like, well, that sucks and is sad, but then there's there's another part of me that's like, I, like there is probably no one I know who you couldn't get a bunch of people really pissed off at them on the internet if you took a soundbite of the lamest thing they ever said. Hmm. You know, and and it's it's just like, how... There is... One of the greatest things about the internet is its lack of filters and democratization of the ability to find an audience. And... Right. There is now also this I like you kind of it's like, all right, well, this is a thing. This is a this is a box you can stand on and say whatever you want to anybody. But now you have to be even more careful about everything that you say. And there are a lot of people who think, well, that means that you're making progress towards being a better person if you don't ever say these hateful things. But maybe maybe you're just not saying them because you don't want to deal with getting yelled at. Hmm. And does that accomplish the same thing? Maybe you maybe you learn something. If you say something that gets you kind of slapped down for being ignorant, maybe you learn something. Yeah. You know, this is the thing that confuses me though with the penny arcade guys, and I don't want to get too deep into that. But the like, they say shit, and it, it's not both of them. It's the the guy who does the yeah. drawing. This, he's the skinny yeah. guy, right? Yeah, that's Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, so, that's the thing. Uh, like, 
I, do, I don't like but seeing a, crap thrown at Jerry because Jerry is a pretty nice guy. But Mike right. is just a fucking prick. And he always has been as long as I've known anything about him. And I, I don't really understand why this keeps surprising anyone. Well, like five years ago, I would have said the shit that he said on Twitter. Like, I don't understand what it means to say that a woman is anything other than somebody who has a vagina. If you have a vagina, you're a woman. If you don't, then you're not. End of story. Like, that is a thing that would have made sense to me to say. But then when somebody says, hey, there's actually this thing going on where some there's a concept of gender and a concept of sex, and here's, like, here's where you're wrong in this, to just kind of keep doubling down. It, it's almost like he feeds off of that disdain. Yeah, I mean, he gets defense. You know, I mean, he, he, comes, he came right out and said this, right? He gets defensive, and his his response to being defensive or being nervous or being scared is to be a dick, right? And I can understand that. I can understand where those impulses come from. You know, it's a thing that it's a thing that you have to sort of beat out of yourself, and it's it's especially. I mean, even for like. For us, to a certain extent, like, we were able to get away with a lot more shit than a normal person would be able to get away with because we were, like, successful and well-liked because of something that we did. And we've always had this audience that was that's very forgiving of, you know, us maybe not being as as on top of what it means to be progressive and inclusive as we could be. If we didn't kind of live in this bubble of our own devising, you know, filled with magical sunshine faggots (laughs) that it's okay for us to talk about. But like, you know, the, the, the shitty thing is that I, the, the thing that set it off was somebody made a video game about female masturbation and in this video game, what you did was you interacted with a vagina and somebody leveled a criticism against it. You know, not all female masturbation involves a vagina. Therefore, this game is not inclusive enough and is promoting a transphobic agenda. And that person is just fucking crazy. Right? Right. Like, go ahead and make a fucking game that is about female masturbation. And it's like, oh, but do you want to, like, maybe, maybe you have a dick. Like, that's fine. Make that game. But don't. Don't tell somebody else that they've done something wrong by making a game about a thing that just didn't include whatever it is that that you think is important. And like, I the, the the problem is I don't think that the internet really allows you to object to an argument that something is transphobic without calling you transphobic. And a yeah. rational person who you were talking to in a room would not do that. A rational, a person that you were having an email conversation with, you would be able to talk to them, and they would they would say like, yeah, you know, yeah, right, of course, of course, this is not, you know, like there is there is I think an implicit assumption in that criticism that everything has to be about everything. There's like a, if you're not with us, you're against us sort of thing going on there Uh that I think is very, it's very counterproductive. And, you know, so he was responding to that by being a dick to the person who leveled the criticism. And that's the thing. You're not allowed to do it. Like you, you can't openly be a dick 
to somebody who has a very strong team affiliation or you just you're yeah. just going to get dogpiled and then if you react really badly to getting dogpiled then it's going to get worse and you know whatever and you have some really cave-dwelling motherfuckers who are on your team who are going to yeah white knight you in a way that you really don't want yeah. them to yeah yeah and start sending out death threats and calling people horrible names in and in your like under your banner. Right? I would also like to go on record as saying <sighs> that death threats on the internet are not a fucking real thing. Like it is a handy way to say like hold on, this is going too far. It is. Not that I think anybody is ever going to kill anybody that, you know, the, the because of a death threat. Well, I mean, somebody somebody might, but I mean... It is a way of saying, like, obviously we've gone way too far past our civility. Yeah, sure. But I mean, it like, d doing anything on the internet requires zero effort, is anonymous, and free, right? It's... It, and no. it's like... I, I do kind of feel like if you... It's sort of like calling an elementary school and saying that there's a bomb there. They have to take it seriously just in case, but there is never a fucking bomb there. Right? And, yeah. and like, everybody more or less knows that, but the one time there is a bomb and a bunch of school kids get killed, and, like, <laughs> I think if you get caught making bomb threats, you should never be allowed to use the fucking telephone again. Right? And if you hmm. threaten to kill somebody on the internet, like, if you make a legitimate death threat on the internet then you should not be allowed to fucking talk to anybody on the internet again. Or at least anonymously. And... Like, if you get caught driving drunk, you shouldn't be able to drive Sure. <clears throat> there are... There are rules of just, like... There are things, there are courtesies that are required of people in order to function as a unit, as a society, right? Don't yell fire in a crowded theater kind of shit. Right. And the thing is, like, somebody yelling fire in a crowded theater does not mean that anything important is happening at all. It is just, all right, we're drawing attention to the fact that it is free and meaningless to tell someone on the internet that you're going to kill them. You know, I've had people threaten to hurt me and kill me on the internet right. for absurd things, for disabling an account. Whatever. And it was unnerving to begin with, but then I thought, it, fucking no. This person also said that they were a fucking dragon, so they're not going to kill me. There is just no way. I am... I am in no way more likely to experience physical harm because somebody on the internet said they were going to harm me than I would be if they hadn't. So, what the fuck? Like, it, yeah, I... It does suck that it happens, but it does not mean that this person's attitude was so toxic that it got them likely to be killed. And it doesn't mean that, like... Society is so dead set against women that Anita Sarkeesian can't make a feminist video without people threatening to kill her. Right? right? Because nobody would walk up to her and say, I'm going to kill you for this. And it's it's like, you know, 
getting likes on Facebook. People get fucking excited about getting likes. I'm like, oh, a hundred people on Facebook said they would buy this if I made it. But then you make it and nobody fucking buys it because it turns out it doesn't fucking cost anything to say you're going to do something. And it does cost right. something to do something. And that's true of money and time and effort and bullets. You know? It's just... Uh, there's, there's an amount of... There's an amount of freaking out that happens and there is there is a rhetorical weight to death threats over the internet that i absolutely do not think is merited and it is just it is a really convenient way for one asshole to just kind of fuck up a conversation hmm. you know i mean you can you can be extremely manipulative like if somebody if somebody really really wanted to get under your skin they could like threaten your family on the internet but all that is is them being a manipulative dick. It is not them being any danger to you. And yeah, you know that fucking sucks. It fucking sucks, and you can't help but you can't help but think about it when it happens. But it's just not real. There are so many more present threats than that that the only sane way to deal with it is just to fucking ignore it. Yeah. I. You know. <laughs> This kind of thing is why, of all of the things that I don't like about Facebook, the fact that they make you use your real name is a thing that I very much do like about it. Because it is a more civil place than places where there's no accountability. And I, and I get that this is coming from a position of privilege. Like, I've never, I've never been on the internet as a woman and seen the kind of stuff that happens to you when a bunch of nine-year-olds who should never be allowed to fucking speak to anyone until they get their shit together and find out that you're a woman. That's the, you know... And it's not, it's not just the anonymity, because KOL is pretty good about that, I think. Our chat is not full of, show me your tits, you faggot. Right, because we just right. kick people out who act like that. Right, we're more concerned with it being a like. I think our chat is a safe place for women. Our chat is a safe place for fucking everybody, as far as we can make it that way. And the way that we do that is by just, all right, you're gonna talk like that. Fucking do it somewhere else. You know, we're not concerned that by stopping them from talking, they're gonna give us less money. Right, because who fucking cares? It's worth the $10 you might have theoretically spent at some time in the future to not have you shitting up the chat with your asinine, childish bullshit. Hmm. And I, I've never understood why Microsoft allows Xbox Live to be so toxic. Like, I don't understand why League of Legends and Dota 2 allow their community to be so toxic. It's because, you know... I mean, it's got to just come down to money, right? Or just not wanting to not yeah. wanting to put in the effort. Yeah, maybe they've got enough people who are going to play it no matter what. Mm, who knows? Scully Angel continues. Country or region with your favorite cuisine? Uh, I am saying Mediterranean. Hmm, delicious Mediterranean. I like I like a lamb. I like a, I like a tzatziki. I like a I like a hummus. I like a garbanzo bean. I like a, an olive. Hmm. I would probably say Japan for sushi. Oh, yeah? I love me some sushi. Yep. I have. Uh, Emily keeps asking if I want to go to sushi, and I keep saying no. I uh, 
I, I just that's weird that used to it be was a it was thing. a weekly thing and then I just I just sort of like abruptly got out of the mood for it and never got back into it WVO Quine says did either of you watch strip search have either of you ever gotten into a reality show uh, no I I didn't really have any idea what strip search was and uh, yeah. that was, somebody at GDC mentioned that like it was this super weird blind spot where so many of the people who knew what Penny Arcade was and followed Penny Arcade had no idea that strip search was a thing or what it was. And they kept saying, like, oh, I feel like I can't talk about this because it's all I've been talking about. I mean, I guess it was a reality show on Penny Arcade TV. <laughs> where what did they do? They, they had a bunch of people who then they hired them. They were drawing webcomics. And, so they picked, and they were going to promote one webcomic. hired them or just were just giving them attention i I didn't get some kind of i don't know i've i enjoyed the few episodes that i saw of like the real world and road rules in the 90s but Hmm. i generally don't i don't think of reality tv as a thing that i would be even a little bit interested in i guess i watched a couple episodes of the celebrity of the celebrity apprentice when tom green was on there but that was it you got you got on a america's next top model bender at one point didn't you yeah, like, well, me and the missus watched two seasons of American Idol because, like, I, we watched the very first season when that happened because I like people singing a song, uh, and that's cool. We watched a couple of American Idol seasons because her parents were watching it and it was a thing that they wanted to talk about. So, like, all right. And we happened to watch, like, the single interesting season of American Idol where there was a weird guy with a. A, kind of a colorful personality and a really good voice that made it all the way to the end and quickly found out that that wasn't the norm so kind of I guess that, I guess American Idol we, counts as a reality show yeah I mean, for like just following people around kind of show it has to have some kind of contest element of it or I'm not interested but yeah we watched fucking 12 seasons of America's Next Top Model huh. And I would be hard pressed to like defend it or tell you why it's compelling. It just kind of is. But uh, like anything that's a TV show that's on the internet, like I haven't watched any Penny Arcade TV and probably never will. And uh, I watched it. I've watched. I haven't watched any of the guild credits. You know, like Um, they sort of got taken under the Penny Arcade TV umbrella and stayed stayed the same. Yeah, I never watched any of the Guild either, even though I was told that it was good. There's something about, like, the only time I ever watch internet videos is if I'm, like, smoking a cigar and I'm out of stuff to do on my phone that's interactive for the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just watch videos or whatever. But, like, generally, if I op- if somebody links to a YouTube video, I will open it up. And if it is more than, like, a minute long, I just close it. Because mm-hmm. I don't. Like, with a video, you can't... It takes so long to figure out whether you're interested in it or not that I just don't ever feel like it's a good use of time. The way that, like, glancing at an article to see if it's worth spending three minutes to read is. Uh, Snave says, Any intentions of bringing back Challenge Path trophies? I must admit I like the idea of a flat one trophy for Path. Um... And I feel a personal guarantee of one trophy per challenge path, except winter would open up creative space to make them more of an individual speculative puzzle than a throw sushi at a dartboard group spading task. 
I mean, we put in trophies when we have a good idea for a trophy. And I don't want to I don't want to create a situation where all right, well, we're done with this challenge path except we have to come up with a trophy to put in it because that's going to lead to filler. And I I don't want to yeah. set us up for that. Uh, questionoid says Dars, is the kingdom on a spherical planet a disk or a cube? Does this planet have a name? Well, I'm pretty sure the name of it is just Loathing. And it is an island in, as far as I'm concerned, an infinite ocean in all directions um, mm. that may or may not have an infinite number of other land masses in it. Uh, are the moons the same size, or is one larger but farther away? What would happen if one were to eclipse the other? What if one or both passes in front of the sun? Somebody once made... They figured out a way in which the sort of cosmology could work that would explain what was happening... <laughs> Um, huh. I don't think that anything that I would characterize as canon accurately reflects that. Um, the idea is that the moons are the same size and fairly close. They're close enough together that Grimace is in orbit around both of them. No, that uh, the Hamburglar mm. is in orbit around both of them. Uh, could we ever get cooler wheels than the bitchin' meat car? The key could be an accessory. Snowplow, turtle van, fire truck with sauce hose, spaghetti truck, complete with music and children following it, motorcycle, an accordion bus, an accordion bus. You know, a lot of, I guess, trains have that accordion thing in between the cars. Yeah. yeah. You can have one, like a hinged car with a same, that's a single open space. Um... If you ever revamp player housing, would we all still live in a campground, or would it be government housing projects? It's always going to be a campground. Yeah. In character, what are the other adventurers in the kingdom doing while I'm working for the council? They're all doing the same thing. As you. You don't realize it, but before every adventure is written a fierce period of either waiting for respawns or competing for a specific resource. Right. Um, do the council members have names? Can I sleep with one of them to get out of doing a quest? Well, you can, but their names are Razor Dick McGee. Um, a Spear Scrotum Johnson. Okay. Uh, knife Dong. Knife Dong. Uh, he's the Chinese member <laughs> of the council. Absolutely. And uh, Bob, I ejaculate boiling acid. Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, Aksaka says, if you could have an item of the month in real life that functions the way that it does in game, which would you choose? Oh, Jesus. I would need to look at all of them before I decided. That's like a, that's like a fucking crazy genie thing. Yeah, that's some pretty serious business. I mean, the angry young man would be pretty interesting, right? <laughs> I mean, it would unlock a lot of cool experiences that you could have because theoretically you wouldn't only be able to use it on five random people in the entire world. That would suck if it was like that. But uh, all of the experiences are sort of awful. <laughs> so uh, Lamb Gwyn says, what's the coolest idea you've ever had for the kingdom but were unable to implement? I resent the implication that there is anything that I am unable to implement. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would say... Uh Real-time player versus player is a cool idea that you've had. That, and not that you're unable to implement, but that hasn't yeah. sparked 
It just never really worked. Yeah. Uh, question for Jake and Scully. Would it be possible to add a few more items for fun and gain in the game? I was thinking specifically a staff of alliteration or assonance. Think of the thousands of possibilities to be had in chat. You know, you think of that, but then it's sort of, you have to codify how those things are going to work. It's kind of like the Spoonerism dungeon, where it sounds like a great idea until you start to try and do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Um, are we, should we go? There's a, there's like a handful more questions in this thread, but like we're running real long. Yeah, I just figured you were racing to the end of the thread, but I'm pretty sure there's more in the thread now than when I first loaded it. Yeah, let's just let's just stop. I can I can get to the other questions on the other show. All right. Well, thank you for listening, folks. We will record again a week from today, or possibly two weeks from today, because I will be traveling next week. Yeah, and I may or may not be set up adequately by Monday. So let's let's uh, let's assume that we're skipping next week's show. All right, we will see you. Sorry, kids. We'll be recording two weeks from today, and you'll be hearing it at least uh, a couple of days after that. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and I'm leaving. I'm Jack, and I'm already gone.